0: blog talk radio
1: there is a chance for the president of the united states to use this disaster
2: to carry out what his father a phrase his father used i think only once and hasn't been used since and that is a new world order new world coming america will become increasingly vulnerable to hostile attack on our homeland and our military superiority will not entirely protect us. Not protect us. Americans will likely die on American soil.
3: And I believe it will also be said of
4: this age, the first decade of the 21st century, that out of what is will be seen as the greatest restructuring of the global economy, perhaps one even greater than at the time of the Industrial Revolution, a new world order was created. We have before us the opportunity to forge... For ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. Now, get ready to enter the zone where real life is stranger than fiction. The place where the news may seem like a dream, and the dream may be a matrix of reality. Let us now expose all lie of the devil and bring to light all the secrets of the enemy, because God truth will set you free. John 8.32 new world order. You're listening to This Week in the Zone with your host and watchman on the wall, Phil Armstrong.
3: Hello and welcome to the Prophecy Zone. This is Brother Phil Armstrong, and we are going to have two amazing guests today. In the first hour, we have Frank DeMore, and he is the author of The Last Chronicles of Planet Earth. And we've had him on before, and we couldn't even contain in one show what he has to offer. Uh, we are going to be talking about Bible prophecy and uh, what is going on in, in, in Syria and in the Middle East and our economy and, and the weather conditions and all those uh, signs that Christ is returning soon. In the second hour, we're going to have uh, Joel Richardson. He's the author of The Islamic Antichrist, and he's author of many other books, but that's the one I want to talk about since this is the first time we've had him on the show now as far as the advertisement for radio shows I'm uh, like I have brother Frank on before he was the uh, he was the only person on the show but had he been the first person the first time he was on the show he would be the front of the show advertisement but due to the fact that uh, he is uh, on the second time when I replay it he'll be first and um, the other guests will be second in the advertisement, so if Frank come on again and the future, when he comes on again in the future hopefully to have him back, he'll be first, regardless of the person who is coming on after that so I'm gonna take kind of swap out um so um i want- I want my um uh, guests everybody all my guests are important um so I, that's that's the reason why um uh, I'm saying this. Every guess is important. I don't think there's nobody that can go before Frank if if he's in the pack in order to be first on the, uh, the, first, the face of the, the particular show. Um, so I'm glad to have both on here. We're going to take a quick break, uh, and I, I want to check some of the bleeps that are coming from Facebook right quick, and I'll be right back.
1: This next announcement is serious news, and you won't hear it in the mainstream media. We are living in an age full of catastrophic events, and it's getting worse. But before we go on, remember this website, highgrounds.us. In the past two decades, natural disasters have increased by 800% within the U.S. alone. Cataclysms like Hurricane Katrina killed and displaced thousands because they were not prepared. And the 2008 economic collapse could happen again, but be much, much worse. So type this into your web browser, highgrounds.us. Highgrounds.us is your complete source for family survival necessities. You'll find food and water with a shelf life of 25 to 30 years, plus tents, portable containers, light, heat, first aid, and much more. Go to our website, highgrounds.us, or call 1-888-202-9094. Place your order now and be prepared. That's H-I-G-H, highgrounds.us. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Highgrounds.us October 30th, 1991.
0: President George H. W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the perfect storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine and the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence, or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17:8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. Those who bless Israel are blessed, Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTernan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcternan.name. Now
2: Be prepared to re-enter the Zone, where only watchmen dare go, and only the fearless do venture. Now from the lands of the Pacific Northwest in FEMA Region 6, where we warn about your future and the rapture of the church of the concentration camps of the enemy. Your host once again, Phil Armstrong. Welcome back to The Zone, The Prophecy
4: Zone.
3: thinking about changing my name to bill because i swear it sounds like he's saying and now your host bill armstrong and when i'm at work when i somebody you know i introduce myself to somebody and i say phil bill phil phil i don't know i well it sounds like a f so yeah sound kind of stupid saying with a p but um anyway um let's go over the coming guest that's coming on and and, and as y'all listen to the show hopefully I'll get better and better at interviewing because right now I hate to use the word suck if I can use the word it's not a cuss word or the vocabulary of the Webster Dictionary has changed and redefined suck as a bad word but uh, I'm going to be brushing up on my interview skills and um so on the twenty fourth uh of uh, September we have Tommy Ice coming on and also John McTernan. So that'd be a, a great show. And then um somebody's calling and I have no idea who it is. Anyway, um uh, Nico Hill, uh he was a, a ultimate fighter champion who um got into drugs and he became born again. He will be coming on on 28th, w- along with August August Russo. I hope I'm not butchering his first name. It sounds like the month, I guess, August. Um, on the 29th of September, we have uh, Doc Mortif, Morkief. And um, on the 2nd, we have Terry James and Nathan Jones. So it, it, we got a couple of days. I'll stop there. Uh, because I want to bring my guests on. But um, we're going to be bringing uh, people on the show. And, and But, you know, God has uh, really blessed me when I speak the gospel. Uh, I notice that my numbers are huge. And it's not about numbers, but it's about it seems that God is speaking to me through those numbers because um, when I have a show on, like, you know, Who's Your Daddy?, I'm just being funny when I say that, uh, That the but it's, it's thousands of listens. Uh, when I have guests on there, a lot of listens too, but it's as if God is saying, keep your focus in on what you're going to preach about because uh, God blesses when I'm actually by myself rather than when I have a guest on. So we keep that in mind and we're going to start doing series and going through the word of God. Um, and that's going to be fun. I enjoy preaching the Word of God. The, the, I think um, I'll do it on Monday or Tuesday, and it, it, it's going to be, the name of the show is going to be uh, Is God Nicer Than Your Boss? So um, I'll advertise that a little bit more this week. But, yes, yeah, God smarter than Actually, I'm going to do one on God Smarter Than Your Boss, but the first one will be Is God Nicer Than Your Boss? And when you listen to it, you're going to get it. Um, People believe that God has no standards or that grace is easy to be trampled upon and that you can live the lifestyle, continue to live the lifestyle and be accepted by God. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches repentance and a continual life of holiness, uh, walking with God. Now, you're going to make mistakes, but that is not the crutch. Uh, That is not what we live off of. We're going to make mistakes. We live off victory, live off power. We live off um, the strength of God. We don't live off, we're going to fall. So watch out. We live more in in the tones of we're going to be victorious in Christ. Matter of fact, there's a promise for those who overcome the world even through their faith. Overcoming the world is, is having victory over sin and being victorious through christ jesus it's not uh I, I, we're gonna all fail with, uh, but that is true in a sense yeah get up but eventually you're gonna have to come to the to the realization that christ gives us power um through the spirit of god and uh, through his son to be victorious in in our living so without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring my guest on as you can hear my kids coming home from school. Uh, so, so if you hear anybody uh, a rumble in the jungle upstairs, it's, it's my kids in the background. So uh, Brother Frank, you there? Yes, I am. Hey, how you doing, Brother?
5: I'm doing real good, thanks. Just busy getting ready to. Uh, Put up another video An hour Ten minute video I believe it is But uh, The signs for today They're in the news Like they normally do So
3: Yeah Yeah Amen Amen Well thank you for coming on the show Uh, We talked uh, A couple of months ago And uh, We couldn't even get close to um, Talking about what was Actually In in Bible prophecy Um, And um, We uh, See that Syria died down, uh, and they're no longer going to attack, at least on the surface, it appears that this attack from the United States is not going to happen. Do you um, believe that um, uh, the United States is going to attack uh, as they tell the public they're not, or do you believe Israel is going to take that blow and and hit them?
5: Um, Well, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I would put my wager on Israel, and I'll tell you why. Well, first of all, in Psalm 83, uh, for those of the listeners out there who don't know much about Bible prophecy, if you started to read the Bible and you got through all these prophecies, you would know exactly what's going to happen in the future. Now, the exact scenario or how it's going to go down we don't know, but we know at the end of the day what's going to happen. And in Psalm 83 tells us, Syria is going to be a major player in that war because they are going to be one of the Confederate nations that are going to be coming against Israel in the last days, along with the Palestinians, the Lebanese, the Jordanians, the Egyptians, and uh, Saudi Arabia. So in the in perspective of what we're seeing in the news right now, Syria... Uh, is a major player. As a matter of fact, in a video that I just put out today, I've been warning people uh, about a uh, the key. What I'm thinking is Syria may be the key that ignites the Syria war. And in a post that I put up in June 14, 2013 of this year, I'm going to just give you a quote from that. And if you go to my website, ntimesresearchministry.com, you'll be able to see all the links that I'm talking about. It said, in my morning on June 14, 2013 post, this is what I stated. Just two days ago, I warned you that Syria was going to play a major role in the last day's prophecy. I said for years that I've been telling you that Syria may be the key to how the Psalm 83 war begins. And today, there was an article with an ambassador to Israel for the United States, Ambassador Oren, he was talking about Assad's regime as the keystone uh, to what's going to happen in the Middle East, and the article, uh, the article actually reads: Iran, Syria, Lebanon alliance greater danger to Israel than Al Qaeda. Now, just by the headline, you can look at. Iran is going to be involved in the Ezekiel chapter thirty-eight war, which happens after the Psalm war. But Iran has proxy nations in Lebanon, the Palestinians, Syrians. I mean, they're all over the place. So Mm -hmm. when you look at the headline, it says Iran, Syria, and Lebanon alliance greater danger to Israel. You're not kidding, because just this article alone, and it does come with a video. So if you go to my website, you'll be able to see the video that the news talking about this that it showed the alliance building for that Psalm 83. So if the United States hit, and I had this plaster all over for years, if the United States does uh, hit Syria, Syria said that they would uh, attack Israel. And if that happens, then it, the game's over with. Israel will send in their jets, they'll send in their tanks, and they will take care of business. And I believe that the scenario could happen if Israel does have to take care of business and the rest of those Arabs see that this mighty military is going after Syria, then the rest of the Islamic brothers in that region bordering Israel will launch an attack thinking that, hey, now's a good time to go with Syria to try to get rid of Israel. And obviously, if you know the Psalm 83, you know that Israel is going to... uh, Still
3: stand; they're not going to lose that war. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, unbelievable that um, the United States will probably actually stay out of it, and Israel will come back in and eventually uh, blow Damascus to smother Um I suggest you know we pray for Damascus because I mean, hopefully the people clear out of there. They started to yeah. make a. They started to make a pilgrimage out of there when when it, when this thing started uh, a couple of years ago, and the mm-hmm. the thing is this thing has been going on for a while. I mean, I mean I'm surprised it's still going, and um, I, I'm with you. I believe that Syria will be a stepping stone towards the a um, the bridge between the age of grace and the age of. Um, you know, the day of the Lord. And the reason why is, I mean, if I had a show a couple of years ago, I need to pull that show back up. And I was talking about how, um, when you see, uh, uh, Syria, um, get involved in are on the national television, then the time is short. And yeah, because I, I don't know if you've been watching, uh, how the, uh, The the Russians are coming in and showing their face. And as the leader, it seems like they are mostly the leader of these nations because they are supplying these nations with weaponry for the last who knows how many years. And it it seems to me as I listen to and watch uh, Bible prophecy uh, come off the pages of the Bible and into the news, I see, I have a feeling, you know, I'm pretty sure you probably have the same feeling, many people out there, that it's almost singing to us It's as if it was singing in our ears exactly what the Bible said will be happening. And um, the United States is not there, but I mean, not in the way it's going to be right, you know, it's it's at our maximum power. Uh, We're going to be neutralized because eventually we're not going to be able to get over there. Um and I, and I kind of like wonder how is it that and this is a question how is it that we're not able to respond and why the Obama administration is not able to whoever's in office is not able to respond to um, a Russian invasion and why the merchants of Tarsus and uh, C-DAN and D-DAN, why are there, I mean, if our, if that much military is over there now, why aren't they able to respond, or do they really want to respond to an Israeli well, there, invasion?
5: There's a couple, you know, reasons. I think that if you look uh, in my video today, I talk about, uh, I put up the figure about who the the last world empire is. And the people who have studied the Bible know that Daniel was given the privilege of seeing all of the events, the major world powers from the time that he was alive all the way until the time that Jesus Christ was coming back. And at the end of his visions of who was going to be in power, he shows us that it was going to be the revived Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire is already existing. It's through the European community And eventually what's going to happen, because right now there's 27 nations that are in the community, and they're the exact same nations that used to be in the old Roman Empire, so they're already here. Now it's going to filter down into ten kings, the last part of Daniel's figure with the toes, and Christ talks about the ten kings will give their power and authority over to the Antichrist. And so... We know that the United States was never in Daniel's vision. He went in the first Roman Empire the United States, obviously. He's not going to be in second. A lot of people are trying to come out with scriptures to show that the United States is a world power, or that in fact, the United States is losing power. And When you get into my book, which you can download today for free at my site, you'll see all of the evidence that I'm showing you is that the United States is no longer a real superpower. They yeah. only have... Ability to do what they used to do when they were a real superpower and are cutting yeah. back forces. And one of the things that Ben Laden said that he did for Russia, he broke them financially, yeah. he bankrupts the nation. And Ben Laden said, We want you, your people, send your American boys over here because we'll do the same thing that we did for Russia, we'll bankrupt you. And now the United States is on its way to a $17 trillion deficit. We're not even sure if the government's going to keep running, running next, in the next two weeks, you know, because they're threatening to shut down the government. So we have today's news came out and said there's 15 million Americans who are now on toothpaste. In my book, I showed the progressions over the years. And I've been warning the peoples for years, you will see the numbers continue to go up because the United States has to go down in power to give way to the, to yeah. the last Roman Empire, which would be the European Union.
6: Yeah. Now, how that's yeah. going to
5: happen, I believe it could happen uh, with an economic crisis. A lot of people think, and I even put this in my book in 1973 when I first wrote the book, and of course I'm updating it. But there's also a possibility that an EMP strike on the United yep. States would just take take the United States out. Nobody knows yeah. for sure exactly how it's gonna happen, but we do know who the last world power is, and it is certainly it isn't the United States of America. They can't even take care of one war, let alone a huge one.
6: Yeah.
3: Yeah, they w t- we're taking care of like I mean we're we're actually spread it even more than it is on national media. I mean, we're spread it so thin. We're we're probably in 70 or above 70 countries. I mean, it might not be confrontations, it might not be um a, a war, but it's it's operations. And when you spread it that thick, I mean, it, it it's okay to have deterrence, you know, in certain areas, but we spread it pretty thin. And right now, I'm I'm into your book and I'm and I'm reading. Uh, right now, at this very moment, I'm, t- I'm looking at the smart cards and uh, kind of like gl- glancing over that. But um, your book is really intense with uh, lots of information, and I suggest people get that. I'm gonna put a um, link on my website for it, and I appreciate being free. I mean, because not many, it shows your heart, because not many people are willing to give something for free in this day and age that we live in. Now, what I want to talk about, I was reading uh, uh, Joel, o, uh, Joel uh, Richardson, is going to be the next guest on the show, and I just wanted to get your take on the Mediterranean Union. And, um, uh, and as, as we watch Syria, uh, I want to also get your take on what the Bible calls this individual who be will be the Assyrian who is the Antichrist. But first let's tackle let's let's see what, I want to see hear what you think about the Mediterranean Union, which Nikolai Sarkozy started in I think two thousand and eight. And um it represents the European Union, most of the countries in the European Union, Northern Africa and the Middle East, which sounds to me like uh, the beast.
5: Well, like again, again, we just have to keep our eyes on the news to see what what happens. Because if it's not the Mediterranean Union, uh, I'm focusing more on the European Union because the European Union is the exact copy of it. And in my book, I even cite. Cases where the European Union even calls themselves the, uh, the reborn Roman Empire. And when you take a look at what's happening with the European Union compared to the, the Mediterranean, what you're talking about, the European Union has difficulties. They have economic difficulties. They're having difficulties with immigration issues and predominantly the Muslim issues. And when you look at uh, Daniel... When he talked Daniel chapter 2, I think it's verse 43, 41 through 43, talks about the not holding together or adhering together. And this is what I've been telling the people we should be watching what's happening in the European Union, because if they start to disintegrate, they're already talking about splitting, you know, into different groups. If one of these groups end up being 10 of these nations, you know we've just gotten that much closer. Now, on what you're talking about, if we should be looking on the other as well, the Mediterranean Union, because if we see signs of that, then we will know. But we won't know until we get there closer to the event. I mean, if we were God standing up in heaven seeing the complete picture, we'd be able to say it. But he's given us enough information to understand what we should be looking for. Now, yeah. in relation to what you're talking about, the Antichrist being a uh, a Muslim, uh, I think that it is very possible that the Antichrist will be a Muslim, and I think that it's very possible that he will come from the European Union. Now, yeah. because the European Union has a lot of numbers of Muslims, and they're still yeah. populating the European Union, and we're st- you believe me, you're going to see more people, who were elected into offices they are Muslim because of the sheer numbers. And, for example, Turkey has been trying to get into the European Union for a long time, and just recently, which I cited in my book, it shows them that they're asking or making overtures now to bring Turkey in. So if Turkey got in, you would have the Ottoman Empire ruler, so to speak, in the European yeah. Union. So there's a lot of variables that we don't know that I'm looking for. Yeah. I see. And, you know, yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, the European Constitution, I'm reading in your book, and uh, they're talking about uh, that they've they written that to take God out of it. Do they have God in their Constitution or not?
5: No. They, they left it straight out. The Pope, at the time it was Pope Paul, he wanted to uh, have that Put in there, and they refuse them. So, <laughs> no, there's no mention of God. I mean, it, it is uh you know, primarily almost atheistic.
3: Yeah, yeah. Now let's so, talk. Go back. Let's talk about uh, the American economy because I wanted to talk about uh, the uh, durability of the economy because of the derivatives and highly sophisticated instruments that um, people do not really, the general public don't even consider, is that I think the, um, uh, what's the name of that? I just heard it last night. When you read like three or four books at the same time, you get kind of mixed up, and I think that was actually a videotape. But the Grand Spiegel Act or something like that, who was legalizing, um, actually separating uh, commercial investments to private investments, meaning that there was no legis- there was no uh, I say rules or regulations prohibiting people to go out and buy highly sophisticated derivatives, which, uh, for instance, Hewlett Packard can go out and buy uh, a, a billion dollar worth of um, stocks with just a hundred million dollars. And there's no money in, in in between. Now I'm I'm looking at your book again, and uh, and I'm looking at where it talks about the mark of the beast and uh, the global. It's going to be globalization of the economy, and and it's going to be everybody coming together as one. Um, the United States is not in Bible prophecy, of course, and you've mentioned that before. What is your take? on um the United States and um is it going to be uh the the stock market that collapses and um and that that makes us go out of existence uh and what do you see as far as the economy and the stock market?
5: Well, I've you know I've been saying for a long time that the United, the United States, the way it looks, is not going to rebound, and it's just going to get worse, uh, especially when you see the Obamacare coming. It's, they just they're not ready for it, and the the United States doesn't have the money. And when you start uh, forcing people, businesses, and this is already happening, by the way, uh, major employers will start putting their Uh, workers at a 29-hour week to get bypass the Obamacare. I just was down in Palm Springs talking to a a car manufacturer, and he was telling me that that's what he was going to do. So I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of other people, that's their loophole trying to get out of it. And all it's going to do is hurt the economy that's already stalled. It's been resolved for a long time, and Obama's put more people in the food line than any president that I know of. And it's not going to get any better. And one of the reasons why I say it's not going to get any better is because of the agenda that Obama is carrying on Israel. He has cursed this nation by trying to divide up. John Kerry is over in Israel right now trying to uh, install the peace talks or get the peace talks going again. And in those peace talks, his agenda is, give East Jerusalem and other land that Israel occupies from the war of 1967 when they got that, 1973, to give it back to the PLO. And yeah. when you do this, you keep curse upon your, on the nation, and every yeah. time this one of the leaders comes against Israel saying we're trying to divide you, there's massive problems natural yeah. disasters, and then I have a chapter in my book. Now, John McTurrin, he reported about this, and I think that he cut off uh, in 2005 showing what's been happening, but I continue that on from 2005 showing you all of the things that have been happening, and I have yeah. a five-hour seminar that there's a section in that seminar that shows the people yeah. uh Almost on on the very day In most of those cases Either it's on the very day Or a few days later That natural disasters Hit those nations That try to divide up The nation of Israel So when I look out For hope for the United States The only hope that I see For the United States Is if there's an alter An alteration of the agenda In other words Don't try to divide up Israel Support Israel When When you bless Israel you will be black. That's what we see in Genesis chapter Amen. 12. But yes. He's not doing that, and as a matter of fact, he's doing the exact opposite of what the Bible says on just about every front. And looking at what he is doing, you know, says a lot of people say, well, you can't judge. And I'm not the judge of anybody. But you can look at what the person is doing, and you know from based on the Scripture that what he is doing is sinful. Yeah. And you do the things that he's doing Like, you know, the abortion issue The the gay issue the I mean, all of these Different issues The splitting up of Israel I mean, all of these things Are direct contradiction To the word of the Lord And it's just going to cause You know, more coal To be poured on the United States So don't look for anything good To happen to the United States They have to be, you know uh I hate to be pessimistic, but I'm gonna be a realist because Jesus yeah. words come to pass on every front.
3: Yeah. And um our society seems to be um, morally um uh, decrepit or morally taking a nosedive. Um as you see Marley Cyrus or what, what's her what's her name again? The one on yeah. that? Uh, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> it. My
5: Marley Cyrus she was a good Christian girl think, you know, one of these uh, singers that probably made a covenant with, with the devil because she mm-hmm. just turned out to be another Madonna and Lady Gaga. Yeah. I mean, just people who yeah. don't represent, obviously, who they're representing is not Christ. And if you're not representing Christ, there's only two people that you can represent in your life, yep. how you act and what you're doing in your life. If you know Christ, yep. you represent Christ. If you don't, you're going to represent Satan. And yeah. what she's doing on that stage is definitely uh, not from the Lord, not something yeah. that the Lord to be teaching or instructing or a, a role, for example, a role model for the kids.
3: Yeah, that is true.
5: Now, by uh, the way, all of the things that you're mentioning here, like, you know, the, the curse and the kids, uh, all of this in detail is in my book. Yeah. And when the Lord put me in this ministry, one of the first things that he told me when he laid it on my heart is you're never to charge anybody. And yeah. because I don't charge anybody, people have access right away. And when yeah. you go to my my website you'll see that I keep this book current and authors who publish books and you have to pay for those books by the time that book hits the market, it's already a year, and you got outdated information. But that won't happen with my book because I update it. As a matter of fact, today's book has been updated to September eighteenth. That's today's date.
3: Wow! Yeah, because I'm looking at the mark of the beast, and that, that this is intriguing by itself. Um, yeah, I
6: was. Oh, um, it's,
5: yeah. It's the mark when you now when you're talking about the. Uh, it's pretty interesting here because I just posted something uh today about let's see here. let me go over it.
3: It's amazing second, how
6: second.
3: it's amazing how the uh, uh technology uh, increases um and advances throughout time. And uh, what do you see about the mark of the beast? What technology advancements have it been? Because I've been looking, I've been even looking at it for a while, so I'm shaking it that they are coming up with new advances and 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 this RF RFID uh, technology. Now, some people think it's a, a tattoo. Um, I seem to think it's in the right hand or forehead or under the skin. What do you think?
5: Well, if you go, there's a section in my book about that. Yeah, I'm going to pull something up for you here. Uh, Let's see here. Because I would really like to to read this for you because it's just something that came out today. Are you still there? Yes, I am. I was
3: just reading. Yeah, Uh,
5: yeah, because you're talking about, you know, what's going on with the the mark of the beast. And really interesting article that came out today, and I'd like to pull in two prophecies. Number one is, obviously, we have to talk about Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 17, where Christ warns us about the Antichrist, and he says this, and he causes all both small, small, and great, rich or poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand or in their forehead. And that yeah. no man might by ourselves say he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. All right. so we know that the he that he's talking about is the Antichrist. A lot of people say it's symbolic. It's not symbolic. It's a person no. called the yeah. he. since in the temple. There's other scriptures. Now the other prophecy I want to pull in is Daniel chapter 12 verse 4, where the Lord showed us specifically our generation It's going to be really pinpointed to two things. Number one, increase in knowledge, and that's where I'm going to center right now. Because in order to bring out a product or bring out a procedure or bring out the technology that is being used or could be used by the Antichrist, that generation would have to increase in knowledge, and our generation is the only generation who would able to fit that uh, niche right there. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let me give you an example. It says, today, today's news out of Israel, this is the headline, will Israel be the world's first no-cash society? So the government on Tuesday authorized the establishment of a committee that will examine ways to eliminate cash from the Israeli economy.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Better to prevent citizens from cheating on their taxes. Sounds like something Obama would do. The committee will be chairing of Lawyer Lockler, director of the prime minister's office. Cash is easily passed from individual to individual, and transactions using cash can take place without the tax ban supervision. Not so electronic transactions with modern computers, banks that can keep tabs on how much people deposit into their accounts and how much they withdraw, while credit card companies have an up to the second record On how people spent And according to many of these officials Cash is bad I mean we're heading right down To what Revelation shows
6: oh, Because yes. it
5: allows individuals To get their own tax payments Responsibilities And today the enterprising tax collector Cannot easily compare Income without flow While he may suspect That a person living beyond His report a reported means is cheating on their taxes. There's no way to, to know for sure without solid evidence. In a cashless economy, all records will be electronic. And checking who making what you are, excuse me, make what and how much you owe the taxes and collecting it before it gets to their account will be much simpler matter if the theory goes. Now, within that, there is, in this article, when you go to my site, there is a video that plays that shows you the the new uh, procedures or the new technologies. One of them, they have this antenna that they put in your skin or on your skin, and it will be able to identify you and deduct from your checking account and whatnot. Hmm. So in my book, I show you a lot of these uh, different types of technology like Vera Chip, uh, the invisible yeah. tattoos or not invisible tattoos, the markings that you put right in your hand. I mean, it's already yeah. here. In many yeah. of the places, it, when you read my book, you'll see that they're already using it in the European Union, which is the revived Roman Empire, in the nightclubs, and it's spreading like wildfire.
6: The kids mm-hmm. go in
5: there, they get a chip put in their arm or in their hand. I've shown this yeah. on videos many times. And then they go through a scanner and it's the whatever they buy, whether it's a drink or food in that bar to deduct it out of their banking account, and they never even go to their wallet. That's the exact same thing that Christ warns us when he said in your right hand or in your forehead. And no other yeah. generation could have done this until our generation showed up. And it just so happens that it's happening when everything else is being fulfilled. And that's never yeah. happened before. I get this argument Well we always hear this And there's been wars And there's been floods That's true But it's never happened All together Like Christ said In Matthew 24 Chapter 24 of Matthew When you shall yeah. see All these things Know that it's near Even at the doors No other generation Could have say that Yeah
3: And, and it's basically Especially the generation
5: Who didn't see The rebirth of Israel In
3: 1948 yeah, exactly. exactly That's the number one uh it, it seems to be control that they're looking for uh, in the mark of the beast, because I've always wondered the main reason for the Antichrist uh, causing everybody, and of course, is worship. Um, it, it seems to me also to be symbolic of um, total commitment to the Antichrist, um, and he caused us all, you know, to be... You know to to receive the mark, or else they would be put to death. Another thing I've seen as you read that is to collect money um for uh, uh the running of the world government um uh, and, and you know all these um tyrants love to uh, collect money um from their citizens to run. You know the emperor has he has no clothes, you know that type of thing, where he right. he needs to raise his funds. So I can see why the, the market of beasts will come to play. Um, but here's my question for you: Do you believe it could be? And this is not my fairy tale. I, I'm not into this um, type of hocus pocus stuff, but I, I do kind of lean towards it somewhat is that the mark of the beast um is more genetic or power gives the individual power What will be the benefit to taking the mark or it just or will it will it just be the benefit of eating
5: well let's look at what the lord said what did he say nobody will buy or sell if you can't buy anything that means you're going to have to fend for yourself for what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink, and if you can't, if you can't, obviously sell or buy. What does that tell you? You're out of the economy, and if you're out of the economy and you're on your own, you're going to starve unless you're yeah. one of these people who can take care of yourself. So. It's not symbolic. The Lord shows us exactly what's going to happen, and it's, it's obedience to the Antichrist. We're seeing the same thing happen with Nebuchadnezzar when they were when they were forced to bow down and worship him. If they did what they do. They killed him. This is what the Antichrist is going to do.
6: Yeah. So
5: we're seeing a repeat, and it's not symbolic. It's a real person who's going to have the power. Now, how is that power going to come? Well, one of the ways is you have a world... Economy problem, crisis, depression. We're we're headed that way. If America goes down, it surely looks like. Unless God intervenes, if there's an agenda change and we start blessing Israel, I would say we have a hope. But if not, then the United States, when they go down, it's going to be a ripple effect that is going to bring a lot of these, of these other nations down, and you'll have, you know, collapse, and you'll have. Anarchy and you're gonna have a lot of things take place that will cause the world to say, look, we gotta have somebody come to take care of this problem. That's one of the scenarios that may bring out the Antichrist.
6: Yes. Yeah.
5: Either that yeah. or the Vatican will usher in the alien uh the alien, you know, Messiah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So why are so many people conservative? They they're straight up conservative. Since you mentioned that, they're very conservative and and very cautious. And I don't. Sometimes I don't blame them at the common Ellen and some of the other things. But for instance, it's, the Bible says that the God shall send them a strong delusion. What is that strong delusion in your um, estimation or opinion, rather?
5: You know, it does. That's all it says there. You're talking about the scripture in Ephesians. Uh, and it doesn't say what it is, but yeah. it's strong enough to, you know, to, to wreak havoc, uh, and a strong delusion that if, you know, if it were possible to deceive the elect. So, whatever it is, it's not going to be, it's not going to be something, of, unless you know the word of the Lord and you're prepared, you may fall for it. Yeah. And I would say that 90% of the world is in that category. Most of the people don't read the Bible. They don't fellowship with the Lord. They don't go to church. They, You know, I mean, if they go to church, it's just uh, tradition. And
6: yeah.
5: and I know this for a fact in my travels and in my, my life presentations, talking to people from all over the place, people aren't ready. There's only 10%. Of most, of most of the fellowships that I've been in that do all the work of the church, and they're the ones that read the Bible and they know what's going on. The rest of the people are out there just trying to figure it out, or not even figuring it out. They just are happy enough to go to church thinking that they're they're okay and that's it. Yeah. But when it comes down to the brass tacks and, you know, America falling apart and as you can look at the society, please, Go on the internet and do a Google search because America is throwing Jesus Christ out of America, and we're seeing court after court case where they're taking Jesus out of, you know, the Christmas scene. Take him out of the library. Take him out trying to get him out of the school. Try to get him out of everywhere. Crosses. Stop the military military. from saying anything about Jesus. I mean, it's all over the place. Yep.
3: Yeah. It is. All
5: signs of the
4: last days.
3: Yes, it is. And uh, I used to be able to to talk to people about Christ uh, a couple of years ago uh, and not have to worry about um, the military or my chief officers telling me that I couldn't speak about Christ. And now I really consider it a privilege. At that time, I thought it was a privilege. But now I really see it as a privilege that I was able to speak to so many people about Christ but um yeah that that it seems like um, uh,
5: let's, take a, let's i let me leave. can I interrupt you for one second, yes, sir, because this is this is important when we're looking at what what are the people, who are the people, what generation is gonna see Christ, and when you look around and you see what Jesus said about the characteristics in matthew twenty four when he talked about uh, the, the days of Noah and when it talks about in Luke chapter 17 about Lot's generation that those are the characteristics that Jesus said you will see at the end times that generation would be just like Noah's generation just like Lot's generation and there has been no other generation who have been doing the things that we saw take place in Noah's generation and Lot's generation including same-sex marriage, and, you know, things that God looks at and calls abomination. But the characteristics are here. Now, that's not to say that any Christian should go out and hate these people, because that's not our commission. Our commission is to be a mirror of Christ, to love all people, but to spread his word with love. And if they hate us, that's their business. But we're not to hate anybody. But you need to be pointing out the characteristics that Christ said that you they would be there and when you saw get yourself ready because you know you're coming home. I'm coming after you. Those characteristics are here. And in my book and in my live presentations I show every nation and every state that has abandoned the the precepts of God and has gone to same sex marriage. And it's it's spreading like wildfire. And the reason why it is is because we're that much closer to the rapture of the church and the beginning of the
3: seven-year tribulation. Amen. Amen. So why don't you tell people how to uh, get in touch with you uh, as far as your materials, your your book, and uh, anything else you want to tell them, especially the number one thing is to um, be prepared and be ready for Christ's return.
5: Yes. Now, the only way that you're going to actually be ready you know, I know it, and anybody that who loves, who loves the Lord knows it. You have to be born again. John 3, 3. This is what Jesus told Nicodemus. You have to understand that if you haven't made a commitment to Christ and recognized him and received him as your Savior, you're on your way to hell. And there's no other easy way that I could say this. It's a, it's a black and white issue. Either you believe and you're on your way to heaven, Or you don't believe and you're in Satan's camp. And the only way that you can be in the Lord's camp, and he's sending all of these signs to us to get us ready, uh, is to receive Christ. And I would say to anybody out there that hasn't made a commitment or who's been on the fence, now is the time to either jump in either direction. But I advise you to jump in the direction of Jesus because you're not going to like where you end up if you don't. Uh, come into the Lord's hands Amen. And so Ask him to you know, to Forgive you and He will forgive that's what the Lord Is all about he's loving I know That there's a lot of things that people say Well he's you know he's causing Sickness and wars and all this but, but people don't understand God he allows things To happen but the end result Is always for the good of those That love the Lord that's what we know from the Lord So Accepting Christ is number one step. You have to do that. And nobody can go to the Father unless it's through Jesus Christ. We know that from the book of John.
6: Yes,
3: yes, indeed,
5: indeed. And if you want to get in touch with me, get to the website. Uh, You can go to www.endtimesresearchministry. Amen. Once you get there, or you can go to my other, I have an older site, but I keep that running as well. Uh, that's a little easier to, to remember, BibleProphecyMan.com, but the newer site is where I usually uh, I put most of my information up there, and what I'll do is I'll transfer that information to my older site, but the newer site is a lot better, and people can go over there. And On either site, you'll have the link to download my book for free.
3: Okay, thank you. Frank, for coming on the show, and I appreciate it so much. Um, you are always full of information, and 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 y'all, you're you always a blessing. Um, and I thank you for coming on, brother.
5: Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure again. You take care yes, now. Sir. God bless.
3: You too. You too. God bless. Right. So, and give
5: them my email address if they have any questions.
3: Okay, I sure will. Thank you.
6: You're welcome,
3: Frank Demore. Uh, After the last because of planet Earth, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with our next guest. We'll be back.
4: Enter the zone. The prophecy zone. Your end time watchman, bringing you light in a dark world where truth is rivaled with a lie and the Matrix is normal life. Luke 21, and there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars. in the zone so be ready to enter the light or truth about the end of days so you will be ready for the coming of the lord you are in the zone the prophecy zone so join us for the next hour as we look at world events in line with bible prophecy so you'll be informed and be ready for the coming of jesus christ
3: hello Welcome to the Prophecy Zone. This is Brother Phil Armstrong, and we have a special guest today. We have Joe Richardson, the author of The Islamic Antichrist. And um, before I bring our guest on, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to bring him on. But um, I just wanted to say a couple of words. Um, when I was started uh, watching Bible prophecy or listening to Bible prophecy or researching Bible prophecy, I believe that the Antichrist will come from Europe. And um, as a matter of fact, I got on the the bicycle bandwagon um, pool to see who the Antichrist was. And I was fixated on Juan Carlos of Spain because he was the 11th nation and joined the European Union and so forth and so on. So as time went on, I was listening to Perry Stone. Uh, Talk about who was the antichrist, or his new research, and uh, and and you should have saw me. I was getting mad and whatever. And as he started to explain himself, it was not until Joel Richardson that I was actually, and that was just a few. Maybe a year ago, maybe a little bit longer and then I started to be totally convinced that the antichrist was uh going to come from the Middle East also a pastor of mine who never talked about bible prophecy that's really what that's was really what upset me is that how do you know you don't even talk about bible prophecy, but we always house for dinner, and he's talking about the Assyrian. So I got upset with that also. So I'm gonna ask Joel about the, um, the the empire that the Antichrist will come from, the in the place, the individual country that he'll come from, and um, we're also gonna we're gonna be talking about the book and the Makdi and the Doji, or I'm uh, hopefully I'm pr- pronouncing it right, and and how the Antichrist will charge uh, revoke the taxes instead of charging the taxes, he takes them back and they he makes uh what is called a um see they used to pay them um uh what is called a um a fee to for protection so a nonbeliever in the Islamic faith will pay a, a protection tax so um they won't die so now the antichrist or the, the Makdi will revoke them taxes and he'll kill you. But um, I thought that's pretty interesting in the book. And I also thought the Daiji, D- I don't know if I mean pronounced it right, was pretty interesting also. So we'll take a look at this. We'll be right back. And then we're going to bring our guests on. We'll be back.
4: Now. Be
2: prepared to re-enter the Zone, where only watchmen dare go, and only the fearless do venture. Now from the lands of the Pacific Northwest in FEMA Region 6, where we warn about your future and the rapture of the church of the concentration camps of the enemy. Your host once again, Phil Armstrong. Welcome back to The Zone, The Prophecy
6: Zone.
3: So Joel, you there?
2: Uh yes sir. Phil, thanks for having me on.
3: No problem. Thank you for coming on. Um I wanted to get straight on to talking about your book. Um the reason why I picked this one is because I was fascinated with it. Um and as far as the Antichrist is concerned, uh, I wanted to enlighten people from what they actually have notion to believe or, or tendency to believe or follow uh what has been preached for a while. And I and as far as far as I'm concerned, what's been preached should stay the same. When it comes to um Bible prophecy, you know, sometimes people find um things that they have read into the word and and pulled it out as far as uh, time elapses. They kind of come up with um, uh, what they have found in the Word of God. Now, what I want to talk about is how you, what made you write the book, um, is The Islamic Antichrist? What What? What? What were you, um, what caused you to write the book?
2: Sure. Well, my background, uh, for many years I was moving toward Uh, becoming a missionary to the Islamic world, specifically the Middle East, was I guess part of my five or ten year plan. Um, uh, Life happened and uh, after getting married, uh, we got pregnant almost right away. There was just a lot of things that took place. My wife has uh, some long-term physical uh, disabilities. Um, it, It became clear that I was not going to be able to move uh, a young family to the Middle East, so I was continuing to reach out to Muslims uh, throughout much of the 90s. Um, Around the turn of the the century, uh, I was doing a lot of email correspondence volunteering for ministries that were reaching out to Muslims. We were answering questions and so forth. And it was after 9-11 that we saw a massive influx of Westerners, many of whom claimed to... Uh, be Christians or who were raised as Christians, some nominal, some not, that were actually interested in seeking out and many even converting to Islam. So it was during those days uh, that I began to uh, discern that Islam was more than just another false religion out of many other religions, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, that there is, in fact, a, a fairly seductive power Uh, Behind Islam And and that became very clear in those days It was also during that time That I was really involved In studying and trying to to Grapple with and understand Islamic eschatology What Muslims are expecting With regard to the end times And so it was after a few years of, Of very involved study That I really felt as though It was necessary to make this information available to the church, let the church look at it, chew on it, decide for themselves what they feel. Uh, But essentially, as as you've already begun to discuss, what I was articulating is that the Antichrist, his empire, and his religion would come out of the Middle East, uh, and then in fact that that religion is Islam, as opposed to, uh, again, the the very Eurocentric, Western-centric, Uh, perspective that you and I basically were raised on uh, with regard to biblical prophecy.
3: Yeah. Now, what do people, uh, as you write this, you've written this book, basically what does the church, what response do you get as you travel? Uh, Now, I know when you go to a conference, they know what they're expecting. Uh, Now, if you go to a conference where there's four or five or six other speakers, what do people say to you? Are they still stuck on believing? Well, I don't like to, to say stuck. Do, do they believe the, that uh, uh, the anti-crisis come from Europe, or he's a Barack Obama, or do <laughs> are, 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 are do they give you a little bit of um, leeway? Or I, I, I'm thinking, I'm toying with your idea. I'm toying with what you've written about. I'm kind of like leaning towards what you're leaning. Um, well, wrote about. Do they give you that type of leeway, or do they mostly give you trouble?
2: <laughs> it depends. Like you said, when I am the only speaker, then usually people coming have heard of or read uh, my stuff, and so they're they're usually already on board. When I go to the larger conferences, for instance, I'm going to Chuck Missler's Strategic Perspectives Conference next month. There'll be a few different speakers. You know, you'll have the the UFO Nephilim kind of crowd, and a lot of different crowds, um, I find that uh, depending on, you know, unfortunately, I'll just say what camp uh, they were previously in, people most often stick with their team, and so, you know, if someone says you know, it's just like in the Bible, someone says, I'm of Apollo, I'm of Paul, I'm a, and others yeah. says, I'm of Jesus, and so, you know, if somebody says well, I'm a big fan of this particular teacher or that teacher, I went to Dallas Usually yeah. they'll be faithful to those that mm-hmm. they were raised on. Now, mm-hmm. after I have the opportunity to share and speak, I do find that people are much more open. Um, yeah. But unfortunately for many that I don't have the opportunity to speak to, they just hear about something on the Internet. There is a lot of reactionism and and protectionism, and, and I guess I'll just say, you know, defending the team. Um, but I, really I believe that at this point, you know, it's kinda of like the preterists. They they look at Israel and they say, Well, yeah, the nation of Israel's been reestablished, but it that was not really prophesied in the Bible. You know, they say it's just a coincidence. You know, it to me the argument's done. Israel's been reestablished. Mm-hmm. The Bible said it was going to take place. Likewise with Islam, you know, people can argue that really we need to be concerned with Pope Francis and his crew. You know, that's that's the big threat. To <laughs> me, when I look out at the world, at this point, if people don't have enough discernment to recognize that Islam is the premier challenge of the church before the return of Jesus, then, in my opinion, they're they're purposely blinding themselves to, really, the reality on the ground.
3: Amen. Amen. So, let's talk about the Makti, um, and I, I want to go to the similarities with what you've found. Because um, I've already read it, but I want I want you to tell the listeners what are the similarities to make this special. Make this. I don't know if I want to call it prophecy. Make the Islamic view on eschatology um, so amazing. But what really brings it out is the Muslim Jesus, because what you're defining in your book is that it's one. It's one thing to have the Mahdi. And uh, the Antichrist of the Bible come to be similar, but to have the Muslim Jesus, which is a false Jesus, and the false prophet in the Bible makes it really, really intriguing. So let's talk about the similarities between the Makdi and the Antichrist, and then we'll cover the Muslim Jesus and the false prophet.
2: Sure. and Let me just qualify this as well Which you began to do I don't ascribe any prophetic value Whatsoever to what Muslims Expect to Islamic Prophecy, I don't ascribe any divine Inspiration, it has no Genuinely prophetic value But it does have value in terms Of for us to understand What 1.6 billion People are expecting in the earth What mm-hmm. are Muslims expecting Particularly those that the nations which surround Israel. I think that is certainly a relevant issue for us to be aware of. Yeah. Um, and so within you know the Bible you have two primary bad guys we'll say. You have the Antichrist and the false prophet in terms of the story, the template of the last days. And then of course you have the primary uh, good guy which is Jesus. And you could throw in some secondary characters like the two witnesses and so forth. But yeah. really have those you have those three primary characters the the Antichrist the false prophet and then and then the Messiah well, likewise within Islamic eschatology you have three primary characters except they have two good guys and they have one bad guy now, their primary good guy from their perspective is uh is the mehdi uh and you can just say in English the Mahdi. Mm -hmm. But he's their primary Messiah figure. And so, what Muslims are expecting, according to their own prophecies, is that in the last days a Messiah, savior like figure would come out uh, and emerge. Now, the Shia, that's the minority sect, that's the 10, 12 uh, percent primarily in Iran, they're waiting for a very specific individual to actually return. Uh, he's someone that they believe has been in this sort of state of occultation, suspended animation, and he's going to uh, reappear. The Sunnis, on the other hand, the majority sect, the 87%, they just believe that this is a an office or a mantle that can come on anyone in any mm-hmm. particular generation. So it's not anyone mm-hmm. specifically.
6: Uh, mm-hmm.
2: And so what they believe, so they all they, they have differences with regard to how he will appear. But once he comes... They expect him to unify the Islamic world under one head, and that's that's him, of course, and that he would essentially be the military, religious, and political leader of the entire Islamic world. All Muslims would be obligated and even commanded to fully submit to him, and he would lead the Islamic world to essentially cause Islam to become supreme uh, over the whole earth, or at the very least over the Islamic world, and then begin making jihad, Uh, against the non-Islamic world until there's none left that says anything other than no one has the right to be worshipped other than Allah. Mm -hmm. Now, when we compare the Mehdi with uh, the, the biblical Antichrist, we see a lot of similarities, such as the fact that the biblical Antichrist will specifically set up his seat of authority in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. Mm-hmm. Uh, likewise, Mo- Muslims are expecting the Mehdi to establish his feet of global authority from the Temple Mount.
6: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: the Bible the Bible teaches that the Antichrist would rule specifically for a period of seven years. I mean, this is his primary his primary career, if you will. Everyone's familiar with that final seven-year period, uh, in the middle of which he establishes the Abomination of Desolation. Well. Likewise, Muslims believe that the Mehti will rule specifically for a period of seven years. And so you can go down the list and, and sort of look at all of these commonalities. And, and there, of course, there are some differences when you get into the, the details, just like there are differences of opinion uh, among Christians. But yeah. basically the, po- the point is, is that it's very easy to look at what Muslims are expecting and recognize that Satan... Has literally set up the Muslim world To receive the Antichrist As if he is their, their Mehdi, their savior And to follow him and to submit to him uh, You know, which of course Makes sense, I mean, how Did Satan plan on gathering such A massive uh, you know, Coalition of nations in the last days Is he just going to, suddenly a new Religion is just going to burst and the entire World is going to come on board Or did he have plans in place, and I I believe that through Islam, we see that Satan has, in fact, been planning and, and working on his plan for over 1,400 years now.
6: Yeah.
3: Now, the, it, it, as far as the uh, as far as Allah is concerned, um, did you do any study as far as as Allah being Satan? In any kind of way, I'm I'm just coming to the point and then we'll move on because it's when I read uh, Daniel chapter 11 and it says that the Antichrist will not um, follow the God of his fathers. And I get kind of to a point where I say, well, this is a Christian individual or ex-Christian or his family was a Christian. Then when I kind of look at your book and I I see it, that kind of makes sense. That he won't honor. Eventually, he'll move into the temple and call himself God, and uh, technically leave his own religion, which is Islam. So, well, yeah, yeah here's
2: here's my here's my take on that, and I would probably take a slightly different take at this point uh, than I did originally in the book. The book was written in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, is when it says that the Antichrist rejects, it, specifically the phrase in the Hebrew is Elohim Ab, or Ab Elohim. It's the mm-hmm. same phrase that's used 25 other times in the Hebrew Scriptures, which is always uh, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob.
6: Yeah. So it's, okay.
2: a, it's a common biblical phrase that refers simply to the God of the Bible. And so yeah. he pays no heed to, let's say, the Father, God the Father, Elohim Ab, he rejects the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then it says he rejects the desire of women, uh, which many commentators, Jewish and Christian, believe is a reference to the Messiah. That this mm-hmm. phrase is uh Hemda uh Hemda Isha, the desire of women. It's very similar to the desire of nations that's referenced in Hosea, the reference to the Messiah, uh Hemda Goyim. Um that essentially what it's saying there is it says he rejects the Father, he rejects the Son. Now, this is exactly what 1 John 2.22 says, where John says the spirit of the Antichrist rejects the Father and rejects the Son. And then it says he rejects every other god. In other words, I believe that John, in his epistle, was actually referencing Daniel 11. Daniel 11 is the only place in the Old Testament where the theology of the Antichrist is very clearly laid out. So it says he rejects the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He rejects the God. Uh, he rejects the Messiah, the Desire of Women. He rejects every other God. So he has three denials. And then it says, but there is a God that he does honor, and that's the God of forces or fortresses, or essentially a God of war. You could say hmm. a God of jihad.
6: Yeah.
2: So you know, it, the thing of it is, is oftentimes. What it actually says in Thessalonians, it says he sets himself in the temple of God as though he is God. Um, You know, some translations, they make it sound as though he's going to pull at David Koresh and come out and say, hey, everybody, I'm God. And that very well may be the case. But personally, Mm -hmm. what I believe at this point is that it is simply the act of setting in God's feet. When he sets himself in the temple of God, he's doing, he's positioning himself Uh, In a place that only God himself is allowed to be positioned And the act itself is essentially the act of declaring himself equal to God Because a lot of people say he'll call himself God But see, Daniel is very clear that he will speak unheard of things against the God of gods Against the Most High He'll blaspheme the name of, of the God of the Bible So certainly in terms of calling himself God He certainly won't call himself the God of the Bible yeah. Um, so, you know, all that to say is, personally, I, I tend to believe that he's going to demand worship for the God of Islam. And yeah. um, and do I do I believe that Allah is Satan? Well, Jesus made a reference in Revelation two in talking about the temple of Zeus, and he said, "I know where yeah. you live, where the where the altar of Satan is, where the, the throne of Satan is." So Jesus himself referred to Zeus as Satan. Personally I believe today Jesus again would refer to Allah, the Allah of the of the Quran as uh as Satan and I don't have any problem uh making
3: that statement. Okay. All right. Now let me let's let's talk about uh and, and we're gonna deviate just a second and make some sense it'll make some sense in a few minutes. Um Revelation chapter seventeen, it talks about the women um that rise the beast. And it says, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, in her in her hands, you know, full of abomination and filthiness of her fornication. And, and it says, upon her her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now. I might as well finish that. And I saw the woman drunken with her blood of the saints, with blood, with the blood of the saints. Uh, it says, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now, tie this in as far as the world religions. Now, as far as the New Age movement and all this other stuff, uh, how is it that the religions seem to be a big fat Milton pot of different religions coming together. I noticed that the Pope is being more tolerant big time um, with other religions. How is it that Islam would fit into, or how is it that the other religions will fit into Islam's plan of dominating the world?
2: Well, okay, when we look at Revelation 17 and 18, now let me just say that The issue of the identity of Mystery Babylon is a fairly complex subject, and it's one that I don't take an extremely dogmatic position on um, because I've looked at all of the various theories that believers have presented, and I I have my position, which I lean toward, and then I have the others that I say these are certainly possible. Uh, But when we look at Chapter 17 and 18, the woman is primarily two things. She is primarily a religious entity, and she is primarily an economic entity. She's those two things, religious and economic. And through those two things, she corrupts the kings of the land, the kings of the earth. Now, when it makes the statement, Mystery Babylon, the mother of all harlots, my understanding of that is that it's, a first of all, a very Middle Eastern expression which is to say, we in the West, we read that, and we kind of think, well, she's sort of the, the harlot that has given birth to all of the other harlots. She's the mother of all of these little prostitutes, all these false religions. Um, I I believe that's a misreading of the text. When Saddam Hussein was making his threats before we went to war with him back in you know, 1990, He said, if the United States comes and attacks us, it's going to be the mother of all battles. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a a very Middle Eastern expression. It simply means the biggest, the worst, the big mama, you know. And so when it says the the mother of all harlots, to me what it says is that she represents the single greatest source of idolatry and false Mm -hmm. worship that has ever existed. And so... That That's my initial take, but I also believe that she must be a significant global financial economic entity. So when you say, how will Islam exert its control over the nations, I don't believe that it's going to suck in necessarily all the Buddhists and the Hindus and, and everybody to be fully on board, but I believe it will be through economic means that the Antichrist will... Very much uh, extend the tentacles of his dominion throughout the earth. I personally don't believe the Antichrist is going to literally rule every single nation uh, throughout the earth. The reason is, the reason I believe that is because, first, the overwhelming emphasis of the scriptures is that the Antichrist rules a ten nation alliance. It, it, in referencing the dominion of the Antichrist, eight different times it says that it's ten horns, ten nations. Uh, and then in many other places, it's very clear that there will be nations right up until the very end that will be at war with the Antichrist. Daniel 9:27 says wars will be decreed until the very end. Daniel 11 says Edom, Moab, the sons of Ammon, will escape his hand. It says news from the north and the east will alarm him, and so on and so yeah. forth. So the presence of wars proves the presence of resistor militaries and resistor governments. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that said, I believe he will have significant influence and dominion in every nation. And just yeah. by virtue of the fact that he will have millions of Muslims and followers in every nation, and he will have economic uh, impact throughout the earth, I believe that is how he will exert his, his authority. But I believe it will look different in every part of the world. You know, it will be most concentrated, I believe, in the Middle East, and it will look different in Papua New Guinea and in Canada than it might look in, you know, Mexico or Costa Rica. But we don't know yet what it's going to look like in each nation at this point. And, and that's why I believe that as intercessors that we shouldn't approach these things in a passive way, that we should really be yeah. contending contending for our nations uh, and not just okay. giving ourselves over to this in a, in a fatalistic
3: way. Right. Amen. So he says, the word of God says that he should he should exalt himself uh, uh, above everything that is called God. So I, I, I agree with what you're saying because um, everything that is called God, all the religions basically have some type of a deity, even yeah. if the deity was an individual. Um, and the New Age movement also says we are gods and and that's what I want to quickly say before we get to the Muslim Jesus and then to the world empire that he's coming from um so what do you see as far as um uh, i mean what what do the people what do the citizens get out of this i mean what what does what does islam have to offer the people besides dying cuz i noticed you're t- you were talking about the the tax the, the the what is the name of that tax Text. juice tax juice tax so what do the people get out of this because i always thought that maybe there's something there that the individual citizens get maybe some type of power to move things objects and it's cuz it's just my mind yeah you know, my mind is a terrible thing to waste but i i, I just see it I'm wondering what besides the be able to eat, like my last guest we talked I asked them what are the citizens getting out of this? What do they get out of it? What do you see that the Mop can actually promise the people besides I'm gonna cut your head off?
2: Well there's a lot of, there's there's many different ways to answer that question. Um let me let me just begin by by beginning with Sort of the, the reality that we're dealing with on the ground right now. Why are people converting to Islam? Why, why are Americans converting to Islam? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure of your church background or or, or or what part of you know community denomination you're part of, but mm-hmm. you know, clearly today in the United States, the most significant portion of the church that's being impacted by Islam is the African American community. Yeah. Now. A big part of that is You know we, we can sort of rail Against it and and Decry it but on the other hand There is something that the, the Muslim evangelists are very good at That the churches often Have failed at and that is um, uh, Empowerment Yeah and So you know you say what, what does it Give somebody well when you take You know let's say a 19 year old kid That's just you know put in prison For the first time and uh he, he's got an incredible you know depleted sense of self worth and someone gives him a sense of honor a sense of self respect a sense of pride that's a powerful thing and mm-hmm. uh and 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 a place in the community now I will say this though here's here's the reality with islam is that it gives you the ability to wear the religious garb, you know whether it's on the Farrakhan version to put on the bow tie and the suit or the Islam you know, the Orthodox Islamic version to put on the skull cap and and so forth. You know, you wear the religious uniform, you do the fast, you feel the rush of religion, mm-hmm. you know, the the pride of religion, but by the same token, Islam allows you to maintain your hatred. It allows you to maintain uh you know, of course you can't drink alcohol, but you know, I've been reaching out to Muslims for years. They'll still cuss you know, cuss like uh, like crazy. Swear, you know, up a storm. Um, they're allowed to make you know violence. They can still embrace a lot of perversion. You know, you can have up to four wives. Not that that necessarily is perversion, but I would argue that it is. But um, you know, even legally, they're allowed to rape if in the right um, situations. You know, if they were to attack and engage someone in jihad. And so, you know, these these jihadis over in Syria. I mean, they're Killing, they're beheading people, they're raping women There's been a fatwa issued in Syria to where a jihadi can just lay his hand on any woman in the street And say Allahu Akbar And she is allegedly to belong to him as his wife because he's in jihad And he's just hmm. claimed her as his wife, his sex slave oh. They're doing this to, to little girls as young as three years old So it allows you to maintain a lot of the carnal, the carnality of the world While still having this sense of pride and religiosity, so that's just a a very introduction, introductory. You know, why are people embracing it? What does Islam offer? Now, on the other hand, you know, the way that Muhammad recruited people in the early days is he. It was very simple. He said, "Look, join me in jihad. I'm about to, you know, lay waste all of these Jewish villages. If you join me." you get, I forget what it was percentage-wise, but you get 10, 15, 20% of the booty, the plunder, the spoil, the women, the sex slaves. Anything you get your hands on, you keep a good percentage of it. People said, you know, sweet deal. He basically became a pirate of the desert, and in two years' time, he went from 1,200 men to 10,000 strong once he issued that decree. Join me, you get to keep a percentage of the plunder. And, you know, it's, it's literally what they were, were pirates. And so, you know, then as they continued to spread globally throughout the region, it was really for the purpose of revenue. Um, so they would spread so they would have new people to tax. And, again, in that sense, the jizya tax, it's just like the mafia in New York, you know. You know, hey, you know, you're going to pay me this protection tax. And the person says, well, what for? And then, the, you know, the guy says, you never know, you know. Uh, you're going to pay me so you know to protect you from me and that's essentially what uh, the islamic world has always done um in a situation where islam becomes dominant of course you know i was i just came back from egypt uh this summer and you know as when the brotherhood was taken over there was just numerous cases where you know for instance a christian has a supermarket And all of the Muslims in the neighborhood say, listen, either you convert to Islam or we're going to boycott your supermarket. Well, this one particular story, this Christian, uh, he he resisted and resisted. Uh, But after a point, his children were starving. And eventually the pressure became so strong after a series of months, with tears in his eyes, he converted to Islam. And so, you know, Islam has always used the financial pressure. So you say, what do you get out of it? Well, you get to eat.
6: And, yeah. <laughs> and you know,
2: so um, and feed your children and so forth. So you know, there's a lot of different things that we could discuss. But um, yeah, yeah, there's, a, hey, let there's me, a lot that Islam offers.
3: Let me ask you a uh, question about Ezekiel 38 and 39. <laughs>
6: um,
3: I'm going to read a verse right here, and, and uh, I believe you're supposed to use line upon line, piece upon piece up, but. Here's some clues in Ezekiel 38 and 39 where people seem to avoid its um, position. Uh, and i read this, and it says, And they that dwelt in the city of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers and bows and arrows and the hand shave and the spears, and they shall burn them for seven years. To me, just the one little clue right there says that, uh, and I can read some more scripture that says that uh, uh, this war happens at the beginning of the tribulation period. I, so uh, just with that verse, uh, what do you suspect happens to Islam during this war? The, does the Antichrist come to and bring back Islam as a hero? From this war, if you, and I guess I should ask where you position this war at, but sure. uh, does he uh, uh, strengthen, because I hear a lot of people tell me, uh, especially some of my former hosts of the show, tells me that they believe that is Islam is destroyed during this process, yeah. during this war. Uh,
2: right. Can
3: I have your intake on it?
2: Yeah, yeah, if we got a couple hours. But, um, <laughs> well, per, per, first of all, here's what I would say, is people say because they're born, we're burning the weapons, that must happen at the beginning of the tribulation. And I say, why? Why couldn't they be burning the weapons into the millennium?
6: Yeah. See, I, when I, I look
2: know. at I, that, well, yeah, and, and know, it's a common argument, but I go, it doesn't make any sense, because when I look at the scriptures – I see that during the millennium they 're beating their sword into plowshares they 're converting yeah. military utensils into agricultural instruments yeah. they're, it, it, it talks in multiple places about them rebuilding the cities, rebuilding the ancient ruins. So why yeah. couldn't they be using weapons for fuel i, I don 't I don't see any contradiction there. When I look yeah. at ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine I see just another antichristic passage. Specifically, as a direct result of the destruction of Gog and his armies, there are a series of things. If you read the conclusion of 39 that says take place, it says mm-hmm. all the nations all the nations will come to know the Lord. It says that all of Israel will come to know the Lord. It mm-hmm. says from that day forward, the Lord will no longer allow his name to be blasphemed. Yeah. Now, for someone that says this takes place at the beginning of the tribulation, what I say is the Antichrist raises up the greatest movement of blasphemy that's ever, ever existed. And for three and a half years, he blasphemes the name of God. Now, if this takes place before that, we have a huge contradiction because it says that after God's armies are destroyed, God will no longer allow his name to be blasphemed from that day forward. It yeah. says all Israel will come to know Him. We know that happens at the end of the tribulation when Jesus returns. It says that no longer will, I, will He allow any captives to remain among the nations. So every captive of Israel is returned to the land. Again, that happens when Jesus returns, not at the beginning of the tribulation. Now, beyond that, I would even argue that the conclusion of Ezekiel thirty-eight, thirty-nine. Is the Parousia of the Old Testament, or the Parousia? <laughs> um, it's that you have two different verses. One, it says, "And the nations will know that I am the Holy One in Israel." Now, that okay. phrase in the, the phrase in, the he, in Hebrew is um, you have you have multiple places throughout the Old Testament where you have the Holy One of Israel. So that's um, Kadosh Kadosh Yisrael. So it's the Holy One of Israel. But one place in the entire Bible do you have Kadosh Kadosh Ba Yisrael. That's the Holy One in Israel. And that's right there at the end of Ezekiel 39. So at that point, the Lord says, look, it, I'm no longer just the Holy One of Israel. It, the, the, the nations will know that I am the Holy One in Israel. In other words, his feet are on the ground. And in the land, and it says, and they will tremble at my panim. Now, my panim, in, again in the Hebrew, is my face. So it yeah. says all the nations will tremble at my face. It means actual presence. And yeah. so I believe that, you know, you have a reference to the fact that Jesus, at the conclusion of this, is in the land and on the ground. But what a lot of people have done is they've looked at Ezekiel 38, 39, Because people don't know what to do with Islam. They've always said, well, it's this New Age thing, it's the Pope, and they go, you know, the Muslims are not going to submit to that. So they've looked for a mechanism to try to get rid of Islam. They've tried to, in my opinion, twist Ezekiel 38, 39 into being a different end-time invasion, a different end-time bad guy, a different massive invasion of Israel, a different destruction of all these armies. In my opinion, Ezekiel is simply retelling the same story that all of the other prophets are telling, whether it be Zechariah or Joel or Isaiah, any one of them, that he's simply telling the same story from a different perspective, which is what they're all doing. And so the story begins with thoughts being placed in Gog's mind. Of course, that means it takes place sometime before, you know, he actually invades the land. And it concludes with... All of the Jews return to the land. The Lord himself is present in the land. All the nations know God. All of Israel knows the Lord. And from that day forward, his name is no longer blasphemed. So while the passage can have the feel of a very brief battle uh, and so forth, I believe it's speaking of a very broad period, which is really typical of of Old Testament prophecy. You know, uh, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And then just boom, you know, of the increase of his government, there'll be no end. You know, it goes right (laughs) to him being a king. You know, and so we say to the Jews, we say to the Jews today, well, there's a 2,000-year gap
6: here. And they go,
2: where? I don't see a 2,000. It's just he's a child born. The government will be on his shoulders. And we go, oh, no, there's a 2,000-year gap. And yet when we come to Ezekiel, you know, we say, well, this is speaking of a broad 7, 10-year period. People go. No, yeah. it reads like it's one short event, and it's, it's typical of Old Testament prophecy.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now n- let's talk about the Muslim Jesus, but let's go this place first—the Vatican. Um, do you see a de facto pope who turns Muslim?
2: <laughs> I certainly hope not. No, personally, <laughs> here's here, here's what I'm hoping for, Phil is is um, and I may offend, you know, some people's sensibilities, is I believe that in every denomination, in every church, you have a particular ratio of wheat to tares. Yeah. Now we all try to go we all try to go to the church that has the least tares and the most wheat according to our discernment and opinion. I believe mm-hmm. the Catholic Church has a much, much, much higher ratio of tares to wheat, but I do mm-hmm. believe it has wheat. I do believe it has some wheat. I believe it has a lot of tears because I think they're terrible at proclaiming the gospel, and I believe that they're incredibly compromised on numerous levels. But I do believe they do have some wheat. And so when I look at the Middle East particularly, and, you know, again, Catholicism is different in every nation, but when I look at the Middle East, I see over the past few years, for instance, in the nation of Iraq, I see tens of thousands of... Of, uh, of Catholics that have been killed For the name of Jesus Now some of them died In the name of Jesus And yet they didn't even have a born again faith There's no question of that But I believe that some did have a genuine A genuine saving faith And they died, they died for Jesus My hope Is that in the, the Catholic Church in the years ahead Will give up millions of martyrs for, for the name of Jesus That's my hope yeah. Now where will the Catholic leadership go I have no clue I have no clue I would hope that they would I would hope they would go down With a little bit of a fight left Historically the Catholic Church For all of its problems Has stood on the most essentials of the faith They've stood on the divine incarnation Of God in Christ They've stood on the Trinity They've stood for you know some of those basics The cross, the atoning work of the cross now, Granted as a Protestant You know We've got the whole Reformation thing. I don't want to underscore that or, or, uh, you know, undermine that. But, um, you know, if a a pope somehow became a Muslim, he's no longer Catholic. And so my hope is that Catholics will go down as Catholics. But ultimately, we don't know how it's all going to play out. We really don't.
3: So, who do you see as a sidekick for the uh, uh, Mahdi M- M- or Antichrist? Uh, will it be a new reli- Will it be a religious figure or another political leader?
2: Oh, in terms of the false prophet. Well, okay. So now yeah. to explain to 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 your listeners, so Muslims also believe in the return of Jesus, uh, except they believe that Jesus returns as a Muslim that he comes back as a muslim. In fact, they actually well, many of them teach that he'll he'll descend uh in Damascus, <laughs> which is interesting right now. But yeah. um they they believe that he comes back and tells the Christians of the world, listen, you've had it wrong all along that I was never a christian, I never tried to start a religion. I was a muslim. And that your Bible is corrupt. You've you've been reading a Bible that's been corrupted. You've been believing that I claim to have have been the son of God. I never claimed that. I never died on the cross. This is all nonsense. Islam is the true religion, and you need to follow the Mehdi and you need to become Muslims. So this is what mo- Muslims are expecting that their Jesus, they call him Isa, Isa al Masih, will come back and and really. Help convert the Christians of the world to Islam That's, that's what they're expecting um, Now it's interesting In the book of Revelation it says the false prophet You know again from a biblical perspective The Antichrist has an assistant uh, Within the Islamic perspective The, the Menti has this assistant Who's subservient uh, to the Menti Well in Revelation 13 It says that the false prophet Has two horns Like a, like a lamb or you could mm-hmm. say like a ram, which is actually a more accurate uh, translation. Actually, in the book of Revelation, it's actually the ram of God that was that was slain. But so he, he has two horns like a lamb or like a ram, like the lamb of God, but yet he speaks with the mouth of a dragon. And mm-hmm. so this is the, the epitome of the false prophet. Jesus said, you know, beware of false prophets. They come to you as sheep in wolves' clothing. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, as As wolves in sheep's clothing And likewise the false prophet will come as a dragon In not just sheep's clothing But actually clothed as the lamb As the (laughs) lamb of God And so, you know, that's not conclusive But I think there's strong biblical evidence That the false prophet will actually try to pretend to be Jesus himself, the lamb of God And if that's the case, then then you can imagine a powerful delusion, particularly if he comes with miracles, if he comes with deceptive miracles, counterfeit miracles. And in light of the utter lack of discernment in the Christian world today, I could certainly see uh, many, many Christians converting to Islam as a result. Islam is the ultimate uh, form of replacement theology. You know, they teach that first you had... Judaism and then you had Christianity and the final religion is Islam and that's the religion to replace all of the previous religions and when someone has no discernment when they really don't know their own faith and I've experienced it Phil I've seen people convert to Islam left and right um, they lap up the arguments as weak as they are historically, theologically philosophically, emotionally, you name it they lap it up and, and, and they do convert and so I believe that in the last days the the heightened level of deceptive miracles and all of these things will contribute um, to to Satan's propaganda program.
6: Yeah,
3: exactly. I noticed also that uh, the Muslim Jesus don't have the miracles. You stated in your book, you pointed that out that they didn't they didn't put him as having miracles, but they did put him as being um, forceful. Uh, sort of um dictatorial uh, i don't mean that's not even a word i don't know where that came from but anyway he's
2: a warrior no that that is a word dictatorial
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so uh we ran out of time i can't believe this i mean i was i mean i, I said an hour and 15 minutes but i uh, the the system won't let me go longer actually it will yeah, uh, if you can stay by, hang hang tight just for a few more minutes because I, I just have a few more questions because I want to cover the Islamic law um, that that the, the fake Jesus will um, put on. Now, let's talk about the Caliphate right quick and and what you see happening. And uh, as far as the the countries that he subdue, or the I, I still think it's regions. Uh, and what makes it different from other empires, uh, but maybe the kind of a familiar look upon the old uh, Roman Empire, which Daniel chapter two talked about in the legs, which became a division of the toes, which are ten. So a lot of people say where well, it's, it's countries, it's countries, it's ten countries uh, I seem to believe that it's territories or regions now I, the Middle East speaks a lot about caliphate especially with Turkey um, do you see the Antichrist taking over a caliphate first maybe uh, middle part of the Middle East maybe and then gradually uh, conquering the rest of the Middle East and then the rest of the world Or do you see this individual as just a politician who somewhat gets elected into office?
2: Uh, Well, no, he's clearly a a military leader. And I'll I'll tell you, Daniel 11, uh, which is really the capstone of the book of Daniel, concludes by telling us that the historical wars that took place between Antiochus Epiphanes, the, the leader of the Seleucid dynasty in the north, which in modern terms is Turkey, Lebanon, Syria, uh, Jordan, Iraq, Iran, that whole northern section of the Middle East, uh, that he clashed with the Ptolemaic kingdom in the south, that's Egypt, Libya, and northern Sudan. And after he clashed and conquered that North African uh, grouping of nations, then he turned his wrath against Israel. We have yeah. history as our as our witness to this In verse 40, 11 verse 40 It tells us that these things will essentially be repeated in the last days And so I believe that what we're to look for first Is sort of a Neo-Seleucid and a Neo-Ptolemaic uh, power base Which is to say a a revived northern power base And a revived southern power base Which initially collide militarily And so I believe that we're looking at either Turkey or Syria. Uh, I lean toward Turkey, but again, we see through a glass darkly. Uh, Antiochus himself ruled from the city of Antioch, which is in modern-day Turkey, but it's right on the border of Syria. And he ruled over that, I jokingly refer to it as the tri-state area of eastern Turkey, northern Syria, and northwestern Iraq. He ruled over that whole region and really yeah. much, of, much of Turkey across the Middle East, um, and, that he, and that that whole northern base will clash with Egypt. And so I think the yeah. Bible says we're going to see war between Egypt and, again, either Turkey or Syria. And then in the midst of all of these wars that Daniel 11 talks about, you have the regional consolidation of the ten kings, um, you know, again, kingdoms. Uh, and then, you know, he's, he's making efforts to subdue the entire world after that. Um, So, again, based on Daniel 11, uh, which also ties into Isaiah 19, I believe that we're going to see regional war with Egypt and, again, either Turkey or Syria. I think there's a better case can be made for Turkey. Um, You know, but I'll tell you what, Phil, I'm happy to come on again sometime. Um, Okay, okay. You know, Wednesday, Wednesday nights are good for me, and, I'm okay. kind of just scratch scratching the surface here, but um, just drop yeah. me an email. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again.
3: Okay. All right. That sounds good. Thank you very much for coming on the show, brother. And uh, I really had a good time because I had like, a, like 10 more other questions. But, yeah, we, we'll, we'll definitely do it, maybe December or November, December time frame, and then I'll get back with you then. But thank you, and it was a blessing having you on.
2: Hey, one one quick thing, Phil. Drop me your strap yes. drop, drop me your mailing address and I'll send yes, you my sir. other book. Okay,
3: that'd be great. Now, let me let me have you give them uh, some information on how they can get um your books and your website.
2: Well, my website's joelstrumpet.com, and um if you just go on Amazon, you well you can get my book, you can get my books from my website, but you can get them from Amazon. Uh, you know, I sign them amazon's quicker you take your pick but yeah joelstrumpet.com you can go on amazon.com uh you can go to worldnetdaily.com any of those uh a lot of barnes and nobles even have uh my books as well and um and uh, we'll we'll talk some more about it next time
3: (laughs) all right thank you very much have a great day great week see you later bro
2: okay you you. betcha take care all
3: right okay awesome uh, interview um that was uh, quite intriguing. I'm going to probably read the book again and go watch a bunch, dozen videos so I can actually be sharp. I am working on my interview techniques, so you'll see me get much better than I was because if you listen to some of my past shows, it's horrible. But the thing is is that um, I really wasn't thinking about a horrible interviewer. I, I was just getting the information out of there. Now I'm trying to make myself a better uh, individual who can interview and a better individual who can deliver a message because I I'm, I'm a lot smarter and a lot more talent than I actually appear to be on the internet. And I kind of shortchanged myself because the word of God says anything that you do, do us unto the Lord. And um, I, I'm learning that to uh, do my best at everything that I've done. And I've already known that, but a lot of times I'll get on the seat and pop, you know, put my little uh, description of the show and just go. And and I rely on the Holy Spirit. And I notice that a lot of the shows that I do by myself where I don't have a, uh, uh, a guest on I do far better than the ones with the guest on it. So that shows you something. So anyway, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back.
0: October 30, 1991, President George H.W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the perfect storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine. And the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence, or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17, 8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTernan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcternan.name.
3: All right. Uh, if you guys know of anyone that can come on my show and be a guest that you would like to see on here that is biblical and believe in Christ and... and or someone who is not but won't cause any conflict as far as the word of God is concerned, then let me know. Because I'm looking for, um, probably in the beginning of the year to have debates on here. Uh, and I'm not a debater, I don't go on Facebook trying to, you know, find debate. I kind of like just put my two cents in and get out. Um, my kids are upstairs having a temper tantrum. They only have temper tantrums when I have a show. Both of them are freaking out and both of them are crying. And it's almost as if they have enemies up there making them do it. I don't I don't get it. But uh, I'm glad they waited until after the show. I don't even know if y'all can hear right now. My daughter's crying. My other son had a, a, a fit just a few minutes ago. And uh, I've been doing these shows for two, since 2009. And I kid you not, I have some type of activity that's spiritual somewhere up in the heavenlies where I do shows. I kid you not. And I'm not saying, (laughs) I mean, really, I mean, I'm glad this show is over and it was successful. And, um, I hopefully, I'm going to go back and listen to the show and see if I can hear crying from upstairs. If not, then I'll, I'll be a happy individual, and I'll probably be much at ease next time you um, listen to the show. But um, I'm going to be doing a show next Monday or Tuesday, and I have entitled it uh, "Is God Nicer Than Your Boss? And the concept of that show is to show that God has standards. And even the world believes God have standards. And a lot of times when you see cartoons, South Park and all these other cartoons, poke fun at Christianity, a lot of times it's because we lower the standards and we try to be a Christian in front of people, but we have lowered the standards. And what I mean by standards, Jesus, the Bible says be holy for I am holy. In practice at least, when you go to work, there are ethical standards, there's ethical behaviors. And if your boss is expecting you to be ethical because you might break up the harmony of the organization, how much more should you be ethical? And, and full full of integrity and, and full of right walking when you are a Christian. I hear some Christian Christians say, Well, um God saved us by grace and there's nothing that would stand that grace. But God's spirit would not always strive with men. Eventually if you're practicing some type of a sin, you're gonna to go to hell. Even if you're out in the public Putting a masquerade on that I am a Christian, but you're secretly harboring secrets. I call them secret sins. David said, "In my integrity, do I serve the Lord?" That means I, I I'm walking and I'm reading the Word of God and I, and I'm obeying Christ. Christ said, "If you obey me, you're truly my disciple." It, we're, he's looking for not only to be your Savior but your Lord. Some people just got a Savior. I heard one of the brothers say to this lady, uh, she says, uh, your son is doing crack. That's that's okay, because God, he said the sinner's prayer once, so God is going to save him. Is he? Is he really going to save him? How is it that in the word of God and Matthew, it talks about narrow is the gate, and few will find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. That's why, oh man, Mr. Billy Graham, I'm Robert Shuler. Ah, uh, it's a wideness. It's a wideness. I'm so happy to hear you say that, Billy Graham. It's a wideness. Therefore, you can go to heaven minting multiple ways. But see, people want to carry Christ into heaven. They don't want to live the life. Jesus said, count the cost. He told the rich ruler, he says, uh, go sell everything you have and come back and follow me. That's the cost. Now, is he asking rich people to do that? Well, it says about the camel, it's harder to go go through the eye of a, camel, a needle than to go to heaven, a rich person going to heaven. But I'm trying to ramble on and get this get get one show out. But that's basically what I'm be talking about. And uh, I, I just want people to understand that 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 God has standards. Even the world calls us hypocrites, where we're not living the life. And if you got secret sins, you need to confess them. And First John one nine, it talks about confessing our sins. We need to confess. He says, "He who has says he has no sin, make God a liar." See, you can be a Christian and say, I'm not sinning, this is not a sin, or your grace is so sufficient that it's going to cover. It says in Romans chapter 6, shall we sin that grace may abound. So if you don't know Jesus today, ask Jesus into your life, but know that there is a life that God wants to put inside of you, his life, and he wants to change you and that you may walk in, in the spirit of God and walk and be like Christ because he gives us the power to be like Christ. So thank you for co- attending the show. Um, stay tuned, um, for the next show. Uh, on the 24th of September, we have, uh, Tom ice and John McTurney. God bless y'all. Wonderful. day. <laughs>
4: You have been listening to The Prophecy Zone on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to check out our website at www.pzrn.org. Also, like us on Facebook at Prophecy Zone Radio News and at YouTube at Prophecy Zone. Be sure to check us out next time on The Prophecy Zone as we explore the past, Observe the present and hope for the soon future return of the Savior Jesus. God bless.